Hi, everyone. My name is Tom Pritchard, and welcome to the Marriage Champions podcast, where I talk with marriage champions about the habits, skills, and tools marriage champions can use to have and help others have great marriages and families. Today, my guest is Alan Ray. Alan is co-founder and executive director of Marriage Team, an organization that trains and supports marriage coaches, coaches who have a desire to help coach other couples to have better marriages. Alan, thank you for joining me today. Uh, you've you, got, yeah, it's good to have you. And uh, you've, you've got a very interesting background. Uh, you served in the Air Force for 27 years. Uh, what led you to leave that and uh, start a marriage ministry? Did you know what you're getting into? Well, no, I, I didn't. And I left because um, I would have been forced to retire at 30. And I didn't want to go back to the Pentagon or some other places where I probably would have gone. So um, it was a good time to transition out. Um, and when I got out, I actually worked for about 10 years doing other jobs and stuff. And my wife and I got involved in the marriage ministry um, at church. And, um, you know, it grew from there into um, what became marriage team. So um, it wasn't intentional when we started out. And uh, we certainly didn't understand the impact of starting a nonprofit. <laughs> what? what, what uh, now, you've been doing this since 2006. Um, uh, what kind of led you to do this? I mean, uh, have you always had a burden to be involved with marriage, marriage ministry, helping couples? Well, we, well, we have um, had a burden about marriage. Uh, when we were married, we were not Christians. So... We were about 10 years into our marriage when uh, Autumn actually became a Christian first, and I followed about a year later. Um, but we'd always had a burden about the marriage, and um, we went to all the retreats and seminars and books and other kind of things. And what we found was that, you know, when Monday morning came around, um, all the good intentions and everything were on the shelf along with the books. And we were pretty much operating like we always operated. You know, we had goodwill to each other. You know, we were trying to do our best, but we were sort of trapped in our old habits. And, um, you know, that was part of the reason that we came up with an analogy that we use in marriage team. And, and it goes like this, and it's sort of a basis for what the coaching is all about. Um, we're each born into a family, and you could call it a team, where you learn how to get along in life. Uh, you develop a playbook about your expectations, um, how you see anger, bitterness handled, conflict, all of that stuff. So by the time you become a, a young adult, you do have a playbook for life. And you get married to somebody else who also has a playbook, but you don't share them very effectively. Mm -hmm. And consequently, the differences uh, in those two playbooks end up causing problems. So it isn't that you're right or wrong, but you're different. So what coaches do is they help couples make agreements on how they're going to work together to achieve their common goals. And uh, that's sort of the metaphor, um, an analogy that we use to help couples understand at least part of what coaching is all about. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your story. Uh, your, were there certain influences in your, that helped you move ahead in your marriage or that were key uh, influences, uh, influencers that eventually led you to even start your own ministry? Yeah. Um, you know, that's an, an interesting question because my view of marriage was that we had a reasonably good marriage and um, I was focused on an Air Force career and 
um, my, you know, I could have been called a workaholic, I suppose, at the time. Um, and that's my view. Um, Autumn's view is that we've been married for a long time and uh, some of those years were happy. So she had a totally different view of the, of the marriage and the relationship. Um, and I was pretty much unaware of just how unhappy she was. Um, you know, we were raising a family and, you know, we were busy and things were going along and things seemed okay. Um, and, and basically, I, I don't think they were that much different than anybody else. But we had our own internal struggles and everything that we just never seemed to be able to get a, a hold of. <clears throat> so when, when I was going to get out of the Air Force, I knew I was going to get out. And I picked up a master's degree in, in counseling. But I realized that I didn't really want to be a licensed counselor. Um, but I had that in the background as we got involved in marriage ministry. And that certainly um, helped in getting marriage teams started. Um, because I always had a, a passion for working with couples and helping couples avoid some of the issues and problems that we had faced. And my wife had felt, feels the same way. I mean, you know, we had friends that uh, at church that were in our small groups and everything, and they would come up and announce they were getting divorced. And basically, we had a couple, three things we could say to them. Have you talked to the pastor? Have you seen a counselor? And we'll pray for you but they still ended up getting divorced and their kids were playing with our kids. And that was a lot of heartache and everything. So um, yeah, we'd always been pretty much burdened with the fact that um, so much of what was being done didn't seem to, you know, work for couples. Well, you, you talked about your own marriage and you had your perspective and your wife had a different one. What, uh, impacted you in terms of drawing you together or understanding or working? I, you know, I'm curious how you addressed your situation or what did it come to a head and you realize that, oh, I'm not on the same page with my wife? Well, that came to <laughs> being not on the same page with our, my wife was almost a daily occurrence. But I think what impacted us, we both came from families with lifelong marriages. So while the culture around us was getting divorced, um, our playbooks, you know, our hard wiring were that, you know, relationships had problems and issues and you worked through them. You stayed together. You went the, you went the distance. So while on one level, we realized that divorce was an option, it never came up. We never talked about getting divorced. Never, ever, not even in the, the worst fights or anything was that ever a topic that came up. So, you know, I attribute that to our playbook. But unfortunately, so many people don't have that in their playbook. I mean, with, you know, the divorce, the, the ramp up of divorce in the 70s and no fault divorce, so many kids are growing up nowadays from broken homes. And therefore, that isn't in their playbook. And, and they don't understand how to make it work. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was, you know, it's a process. The Lord has us on a process of, you know, growing and he, he reveals things to us at the right time and we're you know we're learning and growing and that was what happened with the marriage and certainly with this ministry we got involved in it and not knowing what it was going what it was going to involve but you know it kept getting revealed to us every time we took a step something else was revealed to us well what let's talk about the state of marriage today uh compared to uh, even when you started i think in 20, uh, 2006 uh 
what, what, what are the biggest challenges facing marriage? Is it getting worse or is it hard to really say, is it about the same? You know, I mean, this is just speculation on my part, but certainly there are numbers that talk about the divorce rates. And for, quite frankly, the divorce rate has gone down in recent years. But in my view, I don't attribute that to the fact that marriages and, and you know, relationships are any better. Um, so many couples are now cohabitating and starting families that when they break up, uh, it's not reflected anyplace because they were never officially together. Mm -hmm. So I think we still have a significant amount of, of marital and relationship distress that ripples through the, the country and is quite frankly a source of, of many of our social problems. I mean, there's study mm -hmm. after study that point to the fact that, you know, kids from broken homes um, have poorer outcomes than kids from intact homes. They're more likely to be incarcerated, to drop out of school, to not finish, uh, get an education, uh, to be involved with drugs, uh, teen pregnancy. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I, I do think that that's from the breakdown in the family and marriages are the basic unit of the family. So, um, you know, I, the statistics are somewhat interesting because so many people aren't getting married today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I look at a lot of the social problems today, the loss of character. Uh, you know, I see family and marriage is really the God's uh, primary institution for forming and shaping character for good or for ill, I guess. And uh, I think we're seeing the consequences of that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about marriage team. Uh, the vision for it. Uh, what was your vision for it? Why did you go the direction you did in terms of uh, your mission and so forth? Yeah. Well, in 2001, we, we started with a program at our church. It was, we called it marriage mentoring at the time. And we had trained some couples in our church to do it. And um, we had also been invited to train couples in some other churches with friends that we had there. And what we observed was that there was no program in the other churches. So we'd go in and we'd equip couples, but they weren't being used. They weren't, there was no mentoring program. Nobody, you know, made the setup and the, the connections. So, um, you know, as we looked at that, um, you know, we effectively asked the Lord, you know, what's going on with this? And uh, it sort of came as a revelation that, yes, um, that's what's happening. But if you were to form a nonprofit, an independent organization, you could equip Christian couples as volunteers to volunteer with the organization. And the organization could manage the training, equipping, and placement uh, of couples. And therefore, you wouldn't have to rely on uh, having several different church programs set up that you could manage it as a service for the church, as well as a service to the community where you could provide a resource to the, to the community. So it was that, that concept and that revelation that really started us in forming the nonprofit marriage team. So uh, it took about five years where we worked in the church program. And during that time, we realized that we really weren't doing mentoring. We were doing coaching. And um, shortly after we started marriage team, we completed a course at Western Seminary on a, uh, they call it transformational coaching, where we really learned the basics of coaching 
And uh, it was quite encouraging to see that 90% of what we've been doing already followed best practices for coaching. Um, and in, in the 10% that we learned was very important though, because it was a coaching process and coaching skills. And once you have a process in mind, uh, you can then train it. It isn't that you're doing it instinctively now, and it's hard to train instincts. Uh, but when you have a process that people can visualize and see, and they can learn the steps of, then you can replicate uh, much more effectively. So that certificate program um, really resulted in us fine-tuning what we were doing and um, in, has impacted the way we train couples and the way we do coaching as we move forward. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, the difference between coaching, counseling, and mentoring. It seems like there's probably not a lot of clarity, and some people are referring to describing mentoring when it's coaching or vice versa. What would be the distinction between those? Yeah. Um, so mentoring, uh, being a mentor really implies, and it, it's an older and wiser person helping somebody younger and inexperienced to become wise like they are. So in a business setting, um, you might have a mentor that's sort of opening doors, pointing a mentee towards people they should talk to or questioning them and asking them what they think they should do and guiding them, guiding them. and giving advice, telling them what to do and what not to do. Um, in coaching, coaches do not give advice. Um, coaches ask questions and the basics for coaching is that the coach believes that the person they're coaching has the wherewithal and the understanding to resolve their own issues. And in a marriage, in a, in a relationship like that, it really, people can be really stuck and really dysfunctional, but they still know their relationship. So if Autumn and I were to try and tell people to do life together as we do it, well, they're not Autumn and they're not Al, and it's not going to fit for them. So us telling them what to do is probably going to result in them giving it a half-hearted attempt. And when it doesn't work, we just gave them poor advice. Uh, in coaching, it's different because the coach helps facilitate a discussion and understanding. And when the couple understands each other, they then make agreements about what they want to do differently to get different results. So in the follow-on session, the coach might say, so how did it go? What worked? What didn't work? And, you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, what do you want to try now? So the, the responsibility always lies with the couple. And because it's their idea, they're much more inclined to follow through on their ideas than somebody else's ideas. So, so that's mentoring and coaching. Counseling, obviously, counselors are, most counselors are licensed. Um, so there's a training process. They have an advanced degree, master's, and in many cases, a doctorate. And they have a couple, 3,000 hours of supervision before they become licensed to operate independently. They, they tend to follow a medical model where they diagnose. And then, um, so they diagnose and they get, they're the experts. So they're giving advice. They're telling people what they should do. They're pointing out things that the people might not see. They're uncovering, you know, maybe mental health issues and referring people to psychiatrists where they can get prescribed medication. So it's a much different model than, than coaching. 
Um, so those are the differences between the three mentoring, coaching, and counseling as, as I see them. And as, you know, as we've read the literature, I think most of the literature, you know, falls right in line with what I've just described. So how would you describe, uh, somebody who's working with a couple using a prepare and enrich assessment or a Symbus, would that be more coaching maybe, or is it really, you have to look at specifically how the couple and the coach or mentor are working? Yeah. Well, we have a very close relationship with, with prepare and rich and we use the prepare and rich inventory. So um, prepare and enrich calls their people that they train facilitators and facilitators guide a discussion. And the discussion creates awareness of what the issues are because couples are talking about the things they disagree on and the facilitator helps to make sure that there's a conversation around that. And then it ends. The training and everything about a facilitator ends. Many facilitators are pastors or counselors. And the assumption is that the pastor or counselor knows what to do with that awareness. Now, Autumn and I, speaking from personal experience and what we've observed with others, we were aware that we had problems. We were aware that there were differences. We were aware that, of what active listening looked like. We just didn't do it. So awareness is necessary for change, but I've come to believe it's not, it's not sufficient for change. Now, there are some people, you make them aware, and they're going to change basic habits, and they're going to get on track and everything. Autumn and I were not those people, you know, so in, in, our, in our experience, many other couples are not those people. So in my mind, coaching takes the awareness and moves it to action. Coaching mm -hmm. is all about taking somebody from where they are to where they want to be. You know, if you think of a coach, that's what a coach does. You hop it, you, you get in it, and it carries you someplace else. So that's what coaching is all about. So without moving to action and making agreements on how you're going to be accountable to one another, I think that the inventories fall short of, you know, being um, what you would consider coaching. Mm -hmm. They're certainly good at creating awareness. No doubt about that. So it's good they call them facilitators, but because it does distinguish from coaches, but it doesn't take the extra step. So in your program, do you, uh, you talk about where they want to end up. Do you talk about that? Do your coaches talk about, okay, where do you want to go as a couple? What are you looking to accomplish? Uh, and do you want our assistance and showing you or giving you some counsel on maybe not counsel, but helping you create a process where you can move towards those, those goals. Right. Yeah. The very first session, you know, we talk about ground rules and relationship and couples identify what the goals are, what they want to get out of the coaching. So throughout the coaching, you can go back to what they said and, and have them measure their progress towards achieving the relationship that they want. So um, yes, I'm, the goal is to help couples achieve what they're looking to achieve. Um, the coaching process that we use really focuses on teaching key relationship skills and people, I mean, it's active listening and it's using I statements. So you're, you're uh, sharing your feelings without attacking the other person. And virtually everyone has heard those terms and they think they're doing them. But in actuality, 
they're not probably doing them very well. Um, so what the coach does is it teaches, the coach teaches the skills. We have some exercises where couples make agreements on what skills they want to implement in their relationship, ones that they think will make the biggest difference in how they're listening and how they're feeling understood. And then the coach helps them apply those skills through the coaching process. So an example is probably helpful here. Let's say that, that you and your wife, you're a newly married couple, and um, your wife hates going to your house because of your, your mom. You, you know, her, her mother-in-law, she feels is very critical. So that's, that's the issue. And it presents itself to the coach. So the coach would say something like, so who has the most emotion around this and who would like to start the discussion? And let's just say it's your wife. So she'd be reminded to use an I statement and you'd be reminded to use your active listening. So she'd start by saying, um, I feel totally depressed when I visit mom because of the criticism I receive about virtually everything, whether it's little Johnny or the way I cook or whatever. And I'm just, I just don't want to go there anymore. So we would say, so Tom, what did you understand? Now, in actuality, probably Tom would have said, jumped in there and said, well, you know, my mother really cares about you. She doesn't feel that way at all. And the coaches would say, wait a second, Tom, what did you understand? So because you weren't listening to understand, your wife would probably have to repeat it again. And now you're not going to make the same mistake. Now you're going to repeat back to her what, you, what she understood. But part of good active listening is, so did I get that right? And she may say, yeah, you got it right. And the coaches are listening and, you know, you missed half of what she said. You just focused on the, well, I understand you don't like to go to my mom's house. And did I get that right? Yeah, you got that right. So she's agreeing with you. But the coach hears, I feel so depressed when I go. And you totally blew by that. You didn't even hear it. So the coaches will say, will, might say to your wife, so I heard you say you feel totally depressed when you go. Is that important to you? Well, yeah, it's important. Okay, Tom, what do you understand? So they're not letting lazy listening go by. They're making sure that it occurs. And after you get that part right, then part of being a good active listener is to say, is there more? Because what we've learned is it's like peeling back an onion. And your wife might say something like, well, yeah, it isn't like this just happens once. It's been ever since we've been married. I mean, this has been going on for 10 years and you never do anything to protect me. <clears throat> now, what do you understand, Tom? And you would give, give it back. So is there, did I get that right? Is there more? Well, yeah, I, I just want somebody to help. So you can see how all of a sudden the understanding is coming. And as that process un, unfolds, you know, assuming you're not a, a sociopath, you know, you're going to have some empathy from where your wife is because you know, that's not what you want for her. You know, you don't want her to feel that way. So, so then she finishes and she, when you say, is there more for the fourth time? She says, no, I think you got it. So then Tom, you get to put your feelings in an I statement. And, and you say, honey, I just feel trapped. I don't know what to do. I love you and I love my mom and I'm caught in the middle and I, I just don't know what to do. And I just get so angry with the whole situation. So now she's listening to you and understanding where you are. 
And maybe that's the first time that you ever really thought about because you had to put your feeling in there about what's going on with you. So you, you know, sharing your truth isn't about saying, well, you know, my mom isn't like that. It isn't arguing. You need to put how you're feeling about the situation into an I statement so she can understand what's going on. Because when people understand the feelings and the emotions that are behind the relationship, you know, it does create empathy. So neither one of you liked the situation. So the coaches would say, so what could you do differently? And now you're going to unpack options. So maybe you agree to, you know, prepare, I mean, prepare for the visit by praying on the way down. Maybe um, you agree to debrief on the way home. Um, then maybe you say, but I don't want to do it in front of the kids. Okay, so we'll wait till the kids are, you know, in bed. Okay, um, so during the session, your wife says, well, I'd like you to come check in on me. And you say, okay. And so the coach might say, so how often? Because check in on me, you can figure, you know, you go down on Friday, you come home on Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon, you say, hey, honey, how's it going? You know, that's not checking in from her perspective, okay? So you need to help the couple get clarity about what they're really agreeing to. So the couple would make an agreement. <clears throat> and if, and let's just say that you agree to check in on your wife once a day. And um, so the question to you, Tom, would be, so Tom, if you forget to do what you agreed to do, how could your wife remind you without making you angry and without being a nag that, that you've agreed to do something and you've forgotten to do it? Because we all make mistakes. And then you, then you have to write down what you need to hear. So she now has a new play, an agreement that when you mess up, she can you're working together as a team, she can remind you, encourage you to get back on track because it's important and you understand the impact of not doing that. So that's the coaching process, but the coaches are very active in guiding that discussion to ensure the understanding is occurring. And when that goes on for you know 10 to 12 weeks through the coaching process and the program, after a while, the couple realizes that they can solve their problems if they use those skills. If they, you know, sort of shelve their defensiveness and, you know, and they may even create a play about, you know, if I get defensive, what will I allow you to say to me in order to make me open back up again and listen to understand? And those doing that is not natural. At least it wasn't natural for Autumn and I. And for the couples that, that marriage team coaches, it isn't natural for them. And um, I don't think it happens in most forms of mentoring, even coaching, most forms of coaching or many forms of coaching and in, you know, a lot of counseling because people don't, they don't start with the end in mind. They don't start with a picture of where they want to go. And we use an hourglass at the top. There's his view and her view. That discussion that the coach facilitates brings you down to the middle where you have a common understanding of the issue. And then the hourglass widens out as you explore options. And the base of it is making agreements and keeping agreements. And when coaches understand that that's where they were trying to take the couple, it becomes really easy to facilitate a meaningful conversation that results in action. So what are the core skills, would you say, that you're trying to 
because you know if you've got nine, 10, 11 sessions, that's quite a bit, but it's on the other hand, if people have been dealing with issues for years and years, um, that may not really resolve them ultimately. But what would be you would say are the core coaching skills you're, you're employing? Yeah, <clears throat> for, for marriage coaching, the core skills are facilitating that discussion so that there's understanding that occurs. And so coaches need to understand what an I statement looks like, and they need to understand what active listening looks like. When somebody says, I think you're stupid, that's not an I statement. I, it starts with I, but there's no feeling, okay, associated with it. And it doesn't have <clears throat> the situation that's causing it. And it doesn't have the impact of, of that behavior. <clears throat> so just starting something with an I doesn't make it an I statement. So coaches have to learn how to, how to facilitate those kind of discussions. And they need to be listening for things that, that aren't what you know, good relationship skills involve. So <clears throat> the relationship skills are listening, speaking, um, creating agreements, uh, conflict resolution, bitterness and anger. I mean, I mean bitterness and forgiveness, what you're gonna do with bitterness um, and, understanding and understanding that. Um, what you're gonna do when you get angry, because we all get angry, our buttons get pushed in, it's how we behave when our emotions are, are running wild. Um, that's what, you know, damages or can strengthen a relationship. Um, we look at personality differences and where there are rubs in the relationship and, you know, help the couple make agreements about how they want to address those in the future. And then there's a, <clears throat> a session on intimacy and currently uh, a session on goal setting. So as couples work through those, pro and I think you can, you can see that if people know how to, if they have agreements on how they're going to resolve conflict, it doesn't matter whether the conflict's about finances or parenting or in-laws or friends or habits or whatever. They, they have a process for dealing with it and they use the process and they're going to be successful, especially when they're using those communication skills to really un understand one another. So that would be the key goal is to leave couples, that couples would take away an understanding of that process of how to deal with conflict and communicate better. Correct. So the other thing of, of, of coaching skills, coaches are a mirror that reflect back what they're seeing. So often the couple does not understand what they're doing or what's happening. So let's go back to the, the uh, issue with uh, your wife's mother-in-law, okay? So... <clears throat> During that conversation, she says something like, well, Tom, I just want it to be protected, okay? All right, I just want somebody to care about me. And the coach might get the, the, the thought that, hmm, you just said protected, or you just said you want Tom to care for you. So you expect him to step in and take over in that relationship. Is that what's going on here? So they reflect back what they're hearing and they get the they get your wife to hmm I never thought about that so the coach then might say something like so what do you think would happen if you just spoke up to your mother-in-law and and didn't expect Tom to do that for you well I don't know I've never tried that you know so so the coach is they're being a mirror, they're reflecting back, they're asking questions, 
they're helping the couple to dig deeper into the motivation and why they're doing what they're doing and understanding one another better. So, so reflection is important. Um, then challenging assumptions. So often many people have assumptions. So an assumption that my wife had and she shares in the training. She assumed that if I loved her, I'd know what she needed and wanted. And that would be the real sign that I loved her. I'd know what she needed and wanted. Well, I'm just a dumb guy and I didn't know what she needed and wanted. But I could certainly see when she was angry because, you know, she might be slamming the cupboard doors or doing whatever. So I'd walk in and I'd say, honey, what's wrong? And what would my wife say? She would say nothing. She would say nothing's wrong. Okay. So being a dumb guy, she just told me nothing's wrong. So I just go about my business and end up, I'm fine with that. Okay. Well, that play that we ran together, we did that for years and it was never effective. Okay. So, so that was a, a, a behavior that was based on a, a false belief, a bad, a, an assumption that just wasn't true. So coaches will see that people will make comments that just say, hmm, sounds like there's some thinking there going on that's not right. We were during a demonstration in one of our trainings, we were coaching a couple because we do that as part of the training. And uh, the guy, the guy said um, his, his wife didn't get him up in the morning and that's why he was, you know, late to work. And I said, um, it strikes me, I'm just, here, what you said is that you expect your wife to get you up in the morning and it's her fault if you're late to work. Did I get that right? What do you, oh yeah, yeah, that's the, the situation. She's up for getting the kids up and everything and she just comes and gets me up and everything. But if she gets busy and forgets, I said, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not gonna, it's an observation. I tossed it out, you know, I, another thing coaches do is they hold things lightly. I'm not trying to tell you what's going on in your life. I'm just asking questions. So a little bit later, um, he said, yeah, often he has to go buy his lunch because his wife doesn't make his lunch for him. And I said, so you told me that your wife was responsible for getting you up. And now your wife is responsible for you eating lunch. Again, it seems like you're blaming your wife and you're not taking responsibility for things that are important to you. And he paused and he said, you know, I never thought about that. So here's, some, here's a dynamic in their relationship that is a codependency kind of thing that, that's going on that they don't even see. I mean, that's what's normal. But as a coach, it struck, you know, it struck me as odd. And so I tossed it out for their, for their thoughts and what they wanted to do about it. Those kind of things come up all the time with coaches. You know, you can be struggling in your own relationship, but when you're sitting down helping somebody else, you can see the dynamics that are going on that you would never see in your own relationship. It's really, it's really an amazing process how that works. Well, let's talk about perspective coaches. Um, boy, I listen to your talk and boy, I say, that's going to take a long time for me to learn these skills of even being a coach. Who do you see are qualified to be coaches or good coaches or could be good coaches? Um, do they, uh, do they have to have the perfect marriage, uh, everything going great? Uh, 
you know, who, 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 what's the job description and what would be the description of a good coach? Yeah. Well, first of all, we only train Christian couples. So that's, you know, having a faith in the Lord, that's number one, because we do believe that the coach creates an environment. They slow down the pace. They lower the temperature in the room. They create an environment where the Holy, excuse me, where the Holy Spirit can soften hearts and can, you know, help with the change process. So Christian couple, a couple that is, that cares about other marriages. So, um, you know, they're virtually all couples have had struggles. So they have empathy for others that are going through the same things that they did and they want to make a difference. Um, they feel called to a ministry together because you do coaching together. So, you know, they, they feel like they have a, um, a ministry together. They want that. And um, that's basically it. Um, the training process really helps people with the skill development. Um, the skills are not rocket science. I mean, they're pretty basic kind of skills. And the coach in the training process, coaches coach each other um, five different times, just in the training. So they get a chance to, I mean, they, they learn the skills, they learn the process, they see it demonstrated, and then they practice it five times on different elements of the material that we're going through. So by the time they complete the training, <clears throat> they've, they've actually done coaching. And I liken it to like learning to ride a bike. I mean, you can watch a video on how to ride a bike, but if you don't get on the bike and ride it, <laughs> you're going to get skinned knees the first few times you do it. And coaching is the same way. You can, you can see it done, but if you're not connecting the dots, if your brain isn't make, making you think that way and actually do it, you're not going to be able to do it effectively. So our training is very experiential, and it is amazing how average couples and average marriages can go through the training, and they can help couples with divorce papers in hand. The very first couple they get is really struggling. They've talked to divorce lawyers, and in the space of um, you know, 10 to 12 meetings, they can have the couple rip up the divorce papers and decide that their relationship is healed to the point where they want to stay together. Hmm. So how long is the training course that they would go through? And would most couples who start it finish it and say, yeah, I want to keep going? Or do you find some couples get in there and they say, you know, we're, maybe we're not cut out for this? Yeah. <clears throat> so the training is 24 hours. And it's over two weekends, and that's by design, because the first weekend is like a fire hose, and couples do the practice coaching a couple of times, so they're starting to learn the skills. But the, the second weekend is practice coaching three times, and then covering more material. So, and there's exercises through the, through the week that they do some, you know, little amount of homework, not, not a lot. But that process allows people to learn it, assimilate it, hear it again, and practice it again. So that reinforcement is really critical. And we see that, um, so 95% of the couples that go through the training say that they feel equipped to coach another couple. 100% um, of the couples that go through the training say they'd recommend the training to another couple. We have about 70, 75 80% of the couples that go through the training actually go on to coach another couple. 
some people like you described say, you know, it's really not for us. You know, we didn't know what it was, was and therefore, you know, um, that's what the training's about is to help them understand and see if it's really for them. People that struggle with the training um, or, or the application of the training are people that, that really can't get over giving advice. Um, they wanna tell people what to do because it's so obvious to the coach that this isn't working, you should do this, this, and this. But the couple doesn't own it then and it isn't theirs and it doesn't work very well. So, um, you know, for couples that really wanna do that. And there's some couples that really what they're looking for is a Bible study or something where they can meet with a, a couple that isn't confrontational and, you know, just go over scripture together. Um, so they're more comfortable doing that as opposed to taking a more active role in guiding the conversation and facilitating that application, you know, the application of those skills to move to action. Um, <clears throat> so there are some couples that see that, yeah, we're just not cut out for that. I don't see how we could ever tell somebody, you know, hold up that mirror and reflect back what we're seeing. It's just too uncomfortable for us in the training process. But the vast majority of couples love it, they, they get it, and they become very effective coaches. We have testimonial after testimonial <clears throat> from couples that go through coaching and say, our coaches were amazing. They were just what we needed. You know, I don't know how, you know, you couldn't have found a better coach couple for us. And coaches are just doing what we teach, what we taught and working with the couple and the Holy Spirit, showing compassion. And, um, you know, it's, it's magic the way the process works. How, how, let's say a couple gets in there and they start coaching. Um, what's, is there kind of a common experience? Do they run into problems and they need feedback, a lot of feedback? Uh, do, can they come back to you folks to say, well, I've got this situation. We're really not sure how to handle it. Because uh, I could imagine you get some pretty complex or maybe difficult situations. But what do you see as the experience of couples who have started coaching? Yeah, so let me let me start with how the process starts, and then I'll I'll get to that part of the of your question. Coaching doesn't work for everyone. So couples that are in abusive relationships, where addictions are the pre presenting problem, where there are mental health issues that are untreated and depression, which is a mental health issue, and an ongoing affair where the one spouse is not willing to, to stop the affair while they're in coaching. If those situations are what's presenting to marriage team, we will not assign them to a coach couple. So we will refer them to an appropriate resource. So everybody that calls for help gets help, but the help may not be coaching. Because if, if it's one of those situations Coaching isn't going to change that behavior because the, the abuse dynamic or the addiction or the mental health, health issue is driving the behavior and coaching just isn't the right approach. It's like trying to use a hammer on a screw. You know, it's just not the right tool. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> once couples go through that um, and they start coaching, I mean, some people are very angry and mad, and, you know, and it's a difficult situation, just like you said. So <clears throat> coaches are told anytime you have a problem and, and you want to talk about what to do, call the office 
and we will we will talk you through it. Um, so that's that's blanket. Mm -hmm. Monthly, we go out with a um, just a, a simple online form that asks what how they're doing. What's your you know your name? What session are you on? When do you think you're going to be finished? Anything good to report? Would you like a uh, call from the office? And if they say yes, they'd like a call from the office. We're on the phone and calling them and talking to them. Um, so it's not uncommon to have even experienced coaches run into issues and want to get some insight and everything. And, you know, two or three minds thinking about the problem is, is just a whole lot better. You can mm -hmm. bring in a different perspective. So when we're coaching the coaches, a, co a discussion might look like, well, what are you observing? And the coach would share the dynamic. What, what have you tried? Um, what is the couple doing? You know, how long has it been going on? Are they, are they just not doing what, you, what they have agreed to do? Okay, and then finally, have you shared that with them? Have you been the mirror that reflects it back? And for difficult situations, the coaches might say something like, well, you know, we didn't know quite how to do it. We didn't want to offend them. We didn't want them not to come back or whatever, but they're not doing that coaching job of, of being, reflecting back what they're seeing. And that is so powerful because the couple is trapped in their dynamic. And when the, when the coach reflects it back to them and what they're seeing and asks the question, so what do you think about that? You know, so our observation is that you've made this agreement three times and each week when you come back, it hasn't worked and you've made a new agreement, but that hasn't worked either. You know, what do you think the barriers are to you being successful? So, I mean, that's a hard question for some people to ask because now you're laying it in their lap and you're calling a spade a spade. And, you know, it's up to the couple to figure it out. <clears throat> I mean, and, you know, maybe the discussion is if you've had that discussion before, it's, you know, as coaches, we teach you skills, we help you apply the skills here, but if you're not willing to apply them at home, how else can we help you be successful? So <clears throat> oftentimes coaches, new, newer coaches, but oftentimes coaches are a little bit uncomfortable having those difficult conversations. So when we talk with them, we can help discern where they are in that process and what's going on. And we can coach them on how to have those difficult conversations if they're needed. And for many people, that's a turnaround. All of a sudden, they're sort of caught and they realize that, yeah, we're not doing what, you know, what we're agreeing to. I guess you can't help us be successful. So the coach says, what do you want to do? So oftentimes a couple will say something like, well, um, you know, it's not being seen here, but we really, we are fighting a little less. And, you know, we do understand better and we want to continue, you know, and we'll, you know, we'll work harder at make following through on the agreements. So, you know, there's that, that confrontation often results in a recommitment to, you know, to following through and getting the job done. So it, it strikes me that the coaches are kind of, like you say, a mirror, but they're pushing back on the couple okay, now you guys have to work at this. You have to resolve this. You have to come up with your understanding and we can't go there. And if you don't want to go there, then 
Maybe we have to stop the coaching relationship. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, but even the way you say that, see, that's you telling the couple what they need to do. You need to do it. Okay. You need to do it. <clears throat> a, a coaching approach would be, this is what we're seeing. It's not happening. You're coming in and you're talking about the same situation for the last three weeks and it's not happening. What's going on? So it's not you telling them they need to change. It's saying, this is what we're seeing. What are you going to do about it? Mm. You know, you talked about doing this, this, and this, but, you know, it's not happening. What, what are the barriers to doing that? What's getting in the way? So in, in the, with couples you work with, then do, would the couples have to be really willing they're both equally interested in making it work. Uh, Not if necessarily, you, Tom. What if one couple is kind of leaning out? They talk about the leaning out. Yeah. How does that work there? Well, typically one person is more leaning out. Um, and it's often the wife. She's heard this before and she's desperate. You know, there's no hope and things are just never going to get better. And now all of a sudden the husband realizes that, yeah, this is bad. I need to do something. Okay. So she comes reluctant and not expecting much. And the very first session, <clears throat> they learn the active listening skills and they make agreements on how they're going to listen to each other differently. And they walk away with that from that session with a new tool and hope that if they do that, things could be better. And <clears throat> I'm going to quote you almost verbatim a conversation that we had with a couple that we were coaching. They were in New York, so we were coaching video conference. They'd been to an intensive weekend, and they came back, and, and we, it was a pilot program, and, and we were linked up with them as coaches. So the conversation went like this. So how was your weekend? Weekend was really good. So how are you doing now? Well, we got back and um, my wife got sick and I had to go back to work and he happened to be an air traffic controller, pretty stressful job, um, especially in New York. Um, and, um, and things are pretty much where they were, okay? Okay, well, today we're gonna talk about active listening and we went through the active listening and everything. And at the end of every coaching session, coaches are trained to ask, so what are your reflections? What are your takeaways on this session? And, and they said, we got more from this session than we did in a year and a half of counseling. Mm. And what it gave them was hope. And, and we asked, so why, why is that? Because we can do what we just agreed to do. <clears throat> you know, we've got some action we can take that, you know, should make a difference. And we can do that in the counseling and you know, not all counselings like this, but their experience was they didn't, they weren't led to make agreements and take responsibility for what was going on with something concrete they could do. And that is so huge about having couples make concrete agreements with specifics so that, that they know if they're following through, but more importantly, the coach knows and we encourage, when a couple makes agreement, you, the coach writes it down. Because if it isn't working and the coach isn't helping the couple make clear agreements, and, and I call them fuzzy agreements. If they're fuzzy agreements, then people don't know what the expectation is. So it's hard for them to follow through. 
But if you've got a good agreement that's clear, then it becomes clear that one or the other is not following through. And, and it's on them. And the question then is, so what got in the way? I mean, coaches are respectful. We have compassion. We realize that, you know, that feelings and emotions can get in the way of those things. But, you know, what got in the way? You had such good intentions when you left, but, you know, it's, you, you seem to be right back where you are. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, question about individuals. You talk about couples coaching. Obviously, I would assume that the couple are both excited about doing it together, but uh, can individuals, let's say you've, a couple's got a good marriage, but one of them is just not interested in coaching and the other, hey, I'd love to get in there and work. Does that work or do you really need to have a couple coach? You know, I, I do believe it would work, but that's not what we do. I mean, we train couples for ministry together and we get such great feedback that, that there is two people are really much better at coaching and it's synergistic. So oftentimes my wife and I will see it differently when we're coaching and we'll just say, wait a second. So um, I think that we should do, you know, this. And she said, well, I was going to go down this way. Okay, let's, we'll try that. And if that, you know, and 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 it's open and transparent. As a matter of fact, one couple that we (laughs) did that with, um, the wife was sort of, when we turned around, the wife was sort of with her mouth open, just staring at us. And she said, do that again. She said, I've never seen anybody talk like that, you know? So here was somebody that never even had any good role models about how you have a, a discussion and, you know, that's constructive without being mad and angry. So yeah, there's a synergistic effect because one person is often more in tune with the other and it can cross gender lines. My wife is tends to, Autumn tends to be an avoider. And so, and often husbands are the avoiders. So when things get tense or I get more intense, she'll shut down. And that's often what happens with the husband. So she can pick up on that dynamic and she, she relates to it and she identifies with it. So the couple feels like it's not one a male or female counselor or coach t- taking sides based on gender. So it, it keeps it balanced. And um, people feel like there's no, I mean, and we teach no blame. It's, it's the playbooks that are different. You have good intentions. It's the playbooks that are different. So there's no blame involved. And uh, <clears throat> it, can, it can feel like there's more blame if in fact it isn't balanced. Mm-hmm. What what has been your experience with coaches? Do they uh, your recommendation that they coach so many couples? Do they get burned out after a certain period of time, or does it really vary from individual or couple to couple? It does vary from couple to couple and life circumstances. Um, we do have you know just recently there were a couple of cup coaches that had coached 15, 17 couples over the years. And uh, they were retiring and they were doing something different with their life. So they were out of that stage of their life. Um, and, and, you know, they weren't going to coach anymore. Um, we've had some coaches where, um, you know, one, one or the other has passed on. So, yeah, people have a season for coaching often. Um, we, 
we like to see people hang on and coach as long as they can because they, they get better as they coach more. Um, and we do have some coaches that have been with us since the beginning um, than when we got started. Um, so, you know, it's really dependent upon the coach couple because they are volunteers. There is an expectation that they're going to coach a couple of couples a year. Um, so if you figure that that's 10 weeks um, and, the, you know, because of a missed session, it's going to go about three months. So about half the year, they're going to be coaching somebody else if they're coaching a couple of couples. Um, it's one night a week. I mean, people, you know, go to Bible studies or small groups one night a week for long periods of time. So it's just a ministry opportunity that is extremely rewarding. I mean, when people say that they've, you know, that their, their marriage has never been better, that they were talking of divorce, that the kids were acting out and, you know, they're now going back to church and the kids are doing better. I mean, when coaches hear that, that's a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit working through them to change lives. And that is, you know, more motivational than a huge paycheck um, for people. I mean, where they really feel like they're making a difference in the world, um, one marriage at a time. So uh, let's say, have you, have you done evaluated how couples who have gone through coaching do uh, success? I don't know, I guess it, how you define success. And also uh, related maybe question is uh, Christian couples. Do you only coach Christian couples or does any couple that wants help, are they eligible? Yeah, um, we believe that, uh, you know, the biblical definition of a marriage, um, but any couple um, that's, you know, a man, a man and a woman, we coach. Um, and the goal of coaching even cohabitating couples is that we're moving them closer to a healthy relationship, which would encourage getting married and uh, bringing them along. Plus the fact for couples that are non-Christians, um, it may very well be the first Christian couple that they've ever met. So we get a chance to introduce them to, you know, to Jesus and to the, and to the Lord. Um, the material is faith-based. Um, it's been improved by family life because it's, uh, it's biblical, it's practical, and it moves people towards Christ. So we're a family life local uh, ministry um, that is, that is past their review. Um, <clears throat> so th the fact that it's biblical and we meet people where they are is very powerful for people that are not, that are non-Christians. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for people that might be even a little bit hostile to the Bible and, and the word, um, we meet people where they are. So the way that would look like is when the strip, when the scripture comes up, um, will say, they might say, well, I don't believe in that or, you know, okay, the book's been around for a couple thousand years. You know, it stood the test of time, so to speak. So let's just talk about the principles. Forget the scriptural references. Mm -hmm. You know, a harsh word stirs up wrath. When you're yelling at your wife, is that making the relationship better or worse? What do you think? <clears throat> so, you know, truth is truth and you don't need a scriptural reference to, you know, talk to somebody about the truth of what's going on in their, in their relationship. But by doing that, it invites people in 
and they get to see the truth of the scripture and you get a chance to demonstrate that your volunteers, which causes a lot of people to wonder, why would you give up one night a week for us kind of thing? But it invites questions and it draws people in closer. So, and that really probably goes back to what I said very early on that we weren't Christians when we were married. And part of our coming to the Lord was we were uh, attending a church um, and we were treated as if we were Christians, even though I was somewhat hostile when people started talking about the gospel message and everything. But um, I was treated with respect and, you know, I could see the difference it made in others' lives. And uh, that was what effectively won me over, you know. So um, we really do believe that it's a very effective ministry to meet people where they are and help them to move along in their walk with the Lord. Mm, very good. Uh, well, let's turn to churches. Uh, the receptivity of churches to your work in terms of marriage ministries. Uh, you know, I, I saw a survey which said 85% of churches spend zero ministry dollars on marriage. Uh, I imagine that's not improving after COVID and churches are kind of wrestling with where do we go from here and the attendance is down. Um, you know, what, what could, and even your own discussion of how you got involved working in your church and you wanted to train in church coaches and other churches, how do you see that working in with churches? Yeah. Well, we have a lot of pastors that refer couples to us. Um, and we will, we will coach couples that are referred by the church. And uh, if the church has coaches in the church, um, we might even assign them to a, a coach couple in the church. Uh, we've learned that when friends are coaching friends, while it can be successful, um, friends often don't want to reveal dirty laundry and mm -hmm. friends often don't want to confront with hard questions. So it, we find it's better and more effective. It, I mean, people may go to the church, but if their friends are in the same small group, they're probably not good candidate, candidates to be coaching one another. But we'll work with a pastor. And um, if he has coach couples in the congregation, we can make that connection for him or her in order to facilitate um, coaching in the congregation. So um, we train Christian couples and the training is now being done online. So it's virtual, it's live, and it's experiential, as I'd explained, with, the, with breakout rooms where couples practice those uh, coaching skills. Um, so we can, we can train couples in churches around the country, and then when couples are referred, um, they can be placed there. Or if there's a desire to have more anonymity in the um, coaching process, they can be assigned to somebody else outside of that congregation so that, um, you know, they feel safer in, in sharing what's going on in their relationship. Well, looking at a church and marriage ministry, it strikes me maybe coaching is more targeted at couples who maybe have some struggles or problems and they want help. Uh, in your view, what would be a effective, comprehensive approach to helping marriage in church, you know, even before they get to the place of having difficulties? Or, or can coaching be used in different ways than just helping a couple which is really struggling? Yeah. <clears throat> well, the answer is yes. I mean, we do premarital 
enrichment and with couples that are really struggling. When people call us, um, that tends to be couples that are really struggling because if things are working very, fairly well in the relationship, there's no perceived need for coaching. But pastors often refer, excuse me, couples for premarital because in the premarital program, we're teaching those relationship skills of the active listening and I statements and everything that couples then start the relationship. So when that first disagreement comes up, the blow up, um, that they are better equipped to deal with it. Um, <clears throat> there was a study out that said that eight hours of premarital education reduces the divorce rate in the first five years by, by um, 31%. Um, so having some good premarital um, coaching can help facilitate whatever premarital counseling that the pastor's doing with the couple um, as well. So um, yeah, we, we view it as we're, you know, full marriage, you know, support, you know, we can do the, um, the premarital, the enrichment or the distressed marriages. What would you tell a couple or uh, individuals who are concerned about marriage? Uh, they want to help couples in their sphere of influence. Um, would you encourage them just to learn to become coaches or are there other things that they could be doing that would kind of be marriage champions in a sense of maybe not going as far as getting into a coaching relationship. Yeah. I mean, marriage champions can do, can do a lot. I mean, they can be, you know, promoting marriage in their, in the congregation. Um, I mean, being a coach is a way to be an active champion. So we would encourage people that are concerned about marriage and what's going on to become coaches and then they have the skills where they can actually put it into action and, and you know, make a difference in a couple's life. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of things that, that they can do. So um, part of, I think part of the problem with marriage culture in America, especially with the church, is that everybody goes to church with their Sunday face on and they may have been fighting in the car all the way there, you know, kids crying or whatever. They get out of the car and they're all smiles and everything's wonderful. So... And that's because people, people are going to feel judged if they've got a difficult marriage. But when, when it's normalized that if you're married, you're going to have problems. And people that, that are strong couples are going to want to address the problems and nip them in the bud. And that's, that's the healthy way to do it. So if you're, not, if you're hiding your problems, that's unhealthy. So let's get healthy. So when the church is creating a healthy environment, they're having announcements in the, in the bulletins, electronic or otherwise. The, they're having an announcement on the screen about marriage. They're talking about, you know, maybe the, a latest study about marriage or something positive, or they're promoting marriage coaching. They're encouraging people to get equipped. Um, they have marriage classes where people are going to be real and they're talking about, you know, real issues and sharing difficult things. Um, I know one, one landmark church in the marriage family sphere is Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas. And uh, they have a program where leaders are, leaders are very open about their own struggles in their relationship. And they've got a ministry that is very powerful because they've effectively normalized the fact that people are going to have problems and that it's, 
and the Lord wants you to get help if you have problems, you know, it isn't something to be ashamed of, um, you know, we're human, we're, you know, so, you know, let's get it done, and, and marriage champions can help to create that environment mm -hmm. uh, in their conversations, and uh, in talking with their pastor, and just what they're doing in the congregation. Well, it struck me what, you know, a couple or an individual, let's say a couple goes through training, and if they have those coaching skills, maybe they're just talking with, you know, their girlfriend who's struggling in her marriage. And it's not to the place where they want to come together as a couple they could, but she could even just be quote coaching an individual. And, and uh, so it, it could spill over from a formal coaching couple on couple to just an individual on individual. So. Yeah. And it could, and certainly a good friend would be, using good coaching skills as a rat rather than giving advice and telling somebody what they should do. The only downside to that is that the coaching is a, the marriage coaching is about making agreements and having people on the same page. So let's just say the wife all of a sudden now knows what an I statement is and knows what active listening is. So now she's in a position where she's going to be nagging her husband to be a better listener and he doesn't have a clue what she's talking about. And, you know, it isn't making matters better because he hasn't been involved in the process. So, you know, it's godly counsel for a wife can be very helpful. I, I believe for a husband too. Don't get me wrong on that. But when you're talking about the relationship dynamics, it really helps to have them both on the same page and, in, you know, creating that same playbook. Mm. Okay, good. That's very good. Well, just uh, as we start to wrap things up, a question, what would you say are the keys to a successful marriage? Are there two or three things, you know, they talk about the 80-20 rule. You know, if you do these few things, you're going to more likely benefit yourself rather than trying to do absolutely everything. What would you say are some of the keys to having a successful marriage? Yeah, so let me let me just play play with you a little bit here, Tom. So um, you're asking me as a coach to give some advice on what's a, the keys to a good marriage. Okay? That's right. So so uh, as a coach, I might say, well, so Tom, that's a great question. What do you think they are? Okay, I won't do that for you. But, okay, but that would be the coaching approach about it. Um, you know, I think it really comes down a lot as to commitment, and we really focus on part of that is part of the process because people often come into coaching thinking that you're going to wave, wave a magic wand or magic pill and all of a sudden they're going to be better but it's commitment it's hard work and they say marriage is hard work but they don't tell you what the work is the work is to listen and understand and be open and honest and share your feelings and work together to create the marriage you want that's what the work is and when your buttons are being pushed because somebody's stomping on your playbook, you know, it's extremely hard to do that. But without commitment, without the willingness to go through those difficult times to get to the better times, you know, marriages fall apart. And I do think that that was one of the blessings that was given to both Autumn and me was the fact that our parents had those lifelong marriages that, um, you know, really caused us to be committed to each other, even, I mean, at a subconscious level, um, even when we, when we weren't totally aware of the role that that was playing 
in our playbook, it was there. Mm -hmm. Well, any final words of advice or observations on all that we've talked about? Um, final words of wisdom you'd leave with our listeners. Yes. Well, I guess what I'd like to do is to just let listeners know that um, we do have a coach training coming up. There's information on the marriage team website about coach, about coach training. Um, the next one is March 19th. And uh, if we have demand for coaching, we can add uh, coaching session. I mean, coach training, um, you know, to the schedule. We currently have two on the schedule, one in March and one in October. Um, but we can certainly add them if we had a, a big demand for um, increased demand for coaches. So um, people can check it out and uh, they can also, there's contact information on the website, you know, give us a call um, and we'd be happy to talk with you, explain how, you know, we could work with you as a couple, or if you're a pastor, how we could work with the church and support you and what you're trying to do to create healthy, godly marriages and families. Would you recommend a couple, they're maybe not sure they want to become coaches, but they're open to exploring it to be a part of it? Or do, would you rather have couples say, yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty geared towards wanting to go with this and become coaches? Um, obviously, the latter is better, but we recognize that many people aren't sure. So yes, it, come, to coach, come to the training and find out. But we do not offer the training for counselors, for people that want to set up a coaching business. Um, we offer the training for people that are going to be vet volunteers with Marriage Team and take advantage of the support that we give to the coaches, the screening that we do for couples, and want to be a part of what we're creating as a national movement of you know, creating stronger faith-based marriages uh, across the country. And, uh, you know, we were anxious or, or we'd love to have people join that team of folks uh, to accomplish that. And if that's your interest to be part of that movement uh, to create strong, healthy marriages, we'd love to talk to you. So the expectation, they would work with you folks afterwards. It's, you're not just training sending them off to be coaches somewhere else, but to continue to partner with you in your work. Right. But, you know, we also... I mean, often we have a couple from a church go through and get trained and they get excited about it and they want to get other couples in the congregation uh, trained and equipped and we're happy to do that. And maybe this is a lead couple in that church and we work with a lead couple and, you know, if they know coaches that they think we'd be a good placement, we work with them. But lead couples often have jobs. And um, so, you know, calling volunteers and trying to make matches and doing screening and all of these other things. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of work to be adding on to a family's schedule. So we can do all that and provide the administration and support in order to help a, a, a marriage ministry in a church uh, thrive. And, and we'll give them the process and the materials. And and then they can do other things too. I mean, we're not limiting. Um, I mean, they can plan, you know, weekends, events, retreats, all that other stuff, but we can provide a basis of how you work with couples in order to help them start off with a strong marriage or to work with a marriage that needs some repair. So those couples could target maybe couples in their church if, if they'd be working with you, but then if their church has started a, a coaching 
activities or couples and they could work with couples there too. Well, absolutely. I mean, and often the coach couple goes back and talks to their pastor and the pastor knows and trusts the coach couple. And now all of a sudden that they're hearing about it and it's going to increase the confidence that they could in fact refer a couple to uh, an organization like marriage team and have them get the help that they want. That's, that's, you know, we're a fraction of the cost of traditional counseling. Um, you know, we're less than $25 per hour um, when you f- figure out the cost of the program. And um, so it's very affordable. We offer a money back guarantee if people feel they didn't get their money's worth from their coaching experience. Uh, we'll refund everything but the hard cost of the material and the inventory. Um, so we try and reduce the financial risk. Um, you know, we've got all sorts of positive testimonials. It's effective. And, um, you know, our heart is just to work with churches and pastors to create strong, healthy Christian marriages as a witness for the Lord. If a Christian marriage isn't any different than any other marriage out there, you know, what is the attraction for people to become Christians? You know, if Christ isn't making a difference in our lives, you know, why bother? I mean, we have such a great opportunity to be a good positive witness. And uh, if we're not working to improve our walk with the Lord and in our marriage, you know, we're missing a great opportunity. Great. So your website is marriageteam.com? No, marriageteam.org. Marriageteam.org. And... They have contact information if they have other follow-up questions. So absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alan. This is a great, uh, great opportunity to learn more about coaching, and you're doing great work. So well, thank you, Tom. Yeah. Okay.